Hello and welcome back to Grow, Cook, Inspire. It's good to be back and with a fresh new feel to the show, I am really looking forward to digging deeper and sharing lots of news, views and trends from the gardening world worth talking about, as well as bringing you interviews with people worth listening to. And of course, as the title suggests, there will be food and recipes stirred in for good measure because I am all about growing what you can actually eat because it's good for us and it's good for the planet. So the starting gun has fired. Let's crack on with the first show of 2023 as we celebrate Houseplant Week and much, much more. The dust has settled on Christmas for another year and the festive decorations and the tree are finally down. All in all, January can be a pretty grey and bleak month. There's not much going on in the garden and spring seems an age away. And up here in Scotland, it will be a while before I consider sowing any seeds. So with the days still very short and the nights very long and dark, January, I guess, is actually a pretty good month to celebrate all things houseplants. Once a status symbol for the rich and wealthy, their popularity over the last three years has soared and they're now very much part of the status quo. And this is a trend that is not going to go anywhere. In fact, it is going to grow and grow. On today's episode, we'll be hearing from friends of the shows who share with us why they love houseplants. And I speak with author of The Plant Rescuer, Sarah Gerard-Jones, and also Ben Newell from Worcester Terrariums. But first, some exciting news for those of you who fancy dipping your toes into the world of garden design. The Schoon Garden Fair will return to Schoon Palace, the crowning place of Scottish kings, again this year between Friday the 2nd of June and Saturday the 3rd of June. This year, the organisers are launching the Scottish Garden Design Competition, the competition will be formally launched on the 16th of January, but for more information, you can email brian.cunningham at schoon-palace.co.uk and keep an eye on their Instagram page at Schoon Palace Garden Fair. Now, staying with competitions, but a little bit further south than Schoon Palace, if you're based in or around London and Surrey and want to be involved in this year's RHS Hampton Court Palace Garden Festival and you're part of a school, a youth group or a community group working with children then the RHS are inviting you to design, plant and exhibit a bug barrel at the festival. The mission? To educate visitors about the importance of developing and sustaining healthy ecosystems to protect the UK's biodiversity. Now to find out more you head over to the RHS website rhs.org.uk and I'll put all the details of both the competitions as well as everything else I cover in today's shows in the show notes. Now, not only are things a little bit sparse for us in our gardens, balconies and green spaces, but things are also sparse at this time of year for 
birds. So this is a timely reminder to make sure that bird feeders are well stocked and the feeders are also regularly cleaned to prevent the spread of disease and that you also have a water supply. And if you're working with children, then making your own bird feeders is a really excellent thing to do with them this month. And it might even attract some feathered friends so that you can take part in this year's RSPP Big Garden Bird Watch, which runs between the 27th and 29th of January. It's free to sign up to. And in the last 50 years, we've lost 38 million birds from our UK skies, which is really highlights that nature is really struggling. So the Bird Watch helps the RSPB to monitor how our birds are faring here in the UK in the current climate. You can sign up over at rspb.org.uk. As I mentioned at the beginning of today's show, this week marks National Houseplant Week. Now, I have to be upfront with you because I don't actually have a great track record when it comes to houseplants. They gather dust and are neglected and forgotten about and the consequences are pretty dire. I am much more of an outdoor gardener. However, this might be about to change as I am clearly missing out as the party is most definitely happening over in the houseplant camp and I am not one to miss out on a party. Now, a quick deep dive into the history of indoor plants reveals that they can be traced back to the early Greeks and Romans. And if you look at the Renaissance period, this led to the exploration of houseplants on a global scale and the introduction of new and exotic plants. The wealthy created oranges to showcase their exotic foliage off to their friends. Now, the middle classes embraced houseplants in the Victorian era as a result of industrialisation with improved homes, allowing houseplants to flourish. But it wasn't until after World War II that houseplants became more mainstream. But actually, I think houseplants are having their moment in the sun now. As a consequence of the pandemic, there's a rise in plant influencers and garden influencers online. More people are working at home. There's a real younger generation who don't have access to their own garden and their interest in houseplants has absolutely rocketed. Millennials are all about houseplants and there's good reason because studies have revealed that they improve productivity at work, they reduce stress and they also clean the air in our homes and in our workplaces. It's a burgeoning business. It's estimated that Brits spend about £306 on houseplants and in 2021, 35% of Brits purchased a houseplant. And the UK Garden Centre has reported that in 2021, they saw an increase in houseplants by 50% compared to 2019. And it's not only the plants, but people also want to show them off in statement pots. So here's what a few of our friends of the show and gardening experts had to say about all things houseplants. Hi everyone, I'm Ellen Mary. I'm a gardener, an author and a broadcaster and I mainly spread the word about the importance of plants and nature for well-being. I've also written a couple of books. One is The Joy of Gardening, which is all about connecting what we do in the garden uh, with our well-being and, and how we are within our lives. And the book more recently is How to Grow a Garden. And that's taking the reader through the process of 
buying plants in the garden centre to reading the plant labels and basic botany to what to do with your plants when you get them home and why gardening is so important as well. Why do I think having house plants is so good for you and why are they here to stay? Well, we know how important they are for our well-being outside, but bringing that indoors is just as good for us as well. They clean the air of toxins, they make us feel happier, and I think they are definitely here to stay. I'm Julie Skelton. I'm a garden photographer. And one of the reasons that I do this job is that I get to spend so much of my time outdoors. Lots of us have realised that green spaces really benefit our mental well-being. And so with that in mind, as well as the British weather, the houseplant trend is one way that we can feel we've brought the outside in. There's just a sense of vitality in having plants sharing our indoor space and in tending to them and finding the right spot where they'll flourish and nurturing them. Subconsciously, we're doing ourselves good too. And that's a win-win in my book. At the moment, I'm embracing the retro trend for hanging macrame pot holders with trailing plants like Hoya. Um, I've got a couple of Calathea that they're a bit tricksy, but I do love their texture and form. My, hi, my name's Ali Mitchell, and I'm the founder of Ocean Plastic Pots. Growing up, we were always had house plants in our house. I'm an 80s child, and I remember fondly my mum coming home with a cheese plant and a fondue set. And when I moved into my first flat, I wanted to create the same relaxed, homely atmosphere. And we didn't have a lot of money, so we decorated the place with plants, and my collection just grew from there. From an interior design perspective, plants really set off a room. I love a ficus or a pillia in particular. And you can't beat old exposed wooden floorboards with white painted walls, reclaimed furniture, and lots and lots of greenery, which of course you can take with you if you have to move. When my wife and I moved in together for the first time, we bought a peace lily, which lived in the bathrooms of various rented flats across Glasgow. And it's now in the kitchen of the house that we own, and the children look after it. It's about 15 years old now. Anyway, take care. Hi, I'm Alice Cornwell from the Community Outreach Team at the RHS. Houseplants are an amazing way to get children growing and getting excited about plants. They are accessible, you don't need a garden or a green space to introduce them. They can just pop them into their bedrooms. It's a great way to show them how to propagate plants, show the roots growing, show the leaves growing. It also allows them to start to nurture something and allows them to take notice, which is one of the ways to five ways of well-being. If you visit our Campaign for School Gardening website, there's loads of other activities that you can bring to help children get excited about growing. I think it's about time that we brought in our first guest for the show today, Sarah Gerard Jones, author of The Plant Rescuer and all-round saviour of houseplants. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. It's lovely to have you on the show. It's lovely especially... to be here. Oh, no, thank you. And especially because it is 
National Houseplant Week. Now, I've got to be completely honest, Sarah. I am more of an outdoor plant lover. I don't have a great track record with houseplants. I'm sort of looking over at my money plant that I named Monty, and he's looking he's looking rather sorry for himself. And I've got quite a few cactuses that are um, that are gathering dust. Um, but tell me, as the plant rescuer, why? Why should I give houseplants more love and attention? Because I'm obviously behind the current trend and love for houseplants. Well, I guess that during the winter months, I'm not sure how much is happening in your garden. But nothing. I, nothing, exactly. <laughs> so I think that having houseplants is a great way to, to keep on gardening throughout you know, the whole year. Uh, particularly if you're missing flowers in your garden, why not buy yourself a flowering houseplant and look after that instead? It really is no different to what you're doing in your garden. It's just readjusting your brain a little bit to get your head around what the plants need indoors rather than outdoors. But I think it's really beneficial to bring them indoors for so many reasons. I mean, they're great for our well-being for our mental health I think they're very calming it's a great way to decorate your room for not much money Um, and if you have children it's a fantastic way of introducing them into horticulture really so I think we should all have houseplants okay well we'll touch on some of those points later on Sarah but let's go back a little bit and tell tell me a little bit about yourself because you published your first book just last year the plant rescuer you are a gold medal winner at chelsea in 2021 and 22 oh sorry 2022 sorry (laughs) i was a year out and um you're also the founder of rescue boxes so where did this love of houseplants come from Well, I was brought up by my parents to love nature. Um, My dad taught me about foraging. We always used to go foraging for brambles and um, slows for his slow gin. Um, And I spent all of my summer holidays in Scotland with my granddad, who had an amazing garden. It was full of flowers and fruit and vegetables, and it was really inspiring. Uh, He was actually a forester um, before uh, becoming the grounds manager of uh, an estate called Tilly Prony, which is in Aberdeenshire. Okay. Um, yeah, so he was a great inspiration as well. Um, and I guess plants have always just been fascinating to me. Um, but it wasn't until I lived in a flat as a student that I became interested in bringing the plants indoors because I didn't have a garden. Um, it was a way of, you know, indoor gardening, I suppose. Um, and then a bit later in life, I became interested in not only collecting the house plants but rescuing them and that's really how the whole book came about the plant rescuer um I can go into a bit of detail yeah, about how that, that whole thing happened it was quite by chance actually I was at a um a local DIY shop and I was just looking for paint and I saw members of staff um in the houseplant area binning orchids which had finished flowering and I just thought that was so sad to see healthy plants being thrown away because they just stopped flowering. So I asked if I could take them home. I didn't really know that much about orchids, to be honest, but I, I just read up about them. And with some basic care, they flowered again. And I just found that so rewarding. And I became obsessed with going to the DIY shops, the supermarkets, the garden centers and looking for these sad plants, which I could then yeah. bring home research about their needs and revive 
and uh, I ended up with hundreds of plants at one point. I just couldn't stop myself. I wanted to save them all before they got thrown away. Um, and that's really how the, the whole plant rescuer began. I, um, I started documenting the recovery of the plants that I'd rescued on Instagram. And that led to me getting a book deal, which is just mind blowing. <laughs> um, and yeah, my first book um, is out now called The Plant Rescuer. Uh, so yeah, it's been a crazy journey, really. And it's a very beautiful book as well. It really is. Um, definitely, I hope it filled lots of stockings over Christmas time. Well, do you know what? I, I, I really hope it did, but it actually sold out just before wow. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so not not great timing to, to sell out, but I am um, blown away that it did sell out. And there is a reprint happening, so it'll be readily available again uh, this year. That's brilliant. So how about the Chelsea, the plant clinic at Chelsea? Tell me a little bit about that, because with RHS shows, house plants are probably more of a second class citizen. Um, And it was lovely to see that row dedicated to house plants at the 2022 uh, Chelsea Flower Show. So tell me a little bit about that. And how do you see that growing within a body like the RHS? Yeah, so the first year they actually did it was um, September 2021, which was just after the pandemic. um, And that was the first time that they introduced houseplant studios. So I went there to see them. And then um, in 2022, myself and Mark, who um, owns Happy Houseplants, uh, we got together and decided that we'd like to give it a go. So, um, yeah, we we went and exhibited in May of uh, 2022. Um, And the idea I had was for a plant clinic. Um, I wanted to demonstrate how to care for houseplants in a simple way that people could relate to. So I came up with the idea of a spa for plants. Um, We had a a soil bar, which was created by the amazing Soil Ninja, who make bespoke substrates for houseplants. And um, we also explained the importance of using Uh, the right plant food so we worked with Ian who makes liquid gold leaf we had a jacuzzi which showed how to propagate cuttings in water and we had the steam room which was um, plants in terrariums which were created by Ben of Worcester terrariums so so really it was just um, this whole idea of a, a spa for plants how to look after them properly in your own home and yeah we amazingly won won gold which was incredible What a lineup of of people to be involved. It's like some sort of pop band. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I I just we I sort of pulled these people together because they all have such great skills and we're all we all have different skills, but we we work great together and we all complement each other. And ultimately, we're all working towards the same goal, which is educating people on how to care for their houseplants. And what was the, I feel like Chelsea 21 and Chelsea 22 sort of merged together. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, they did. I get so mixed up with both because I was at both, but they they have fused together in my mind. And can you imagine being one of the people that works behind the scenes on those shows? I mean, they must have literally been pulling their hair out going from (laughs) September until May. You know, it must have been crazy. But um... What was the the feedback from from the public? Because especially at the start of Chelsea, when it's sort of RHS members day, you get a sort of certain crowd of a certain age who are probably more used to spending time in lovely lavish gardens what, what was the feedback like from from the public it was really fascinating actually and it was amazing to me to to realize how 
how little some people knew of how to care for houseplants. A lot of the people, like you say, go to Chelsea for the outdoor plants. So, so they were really fascinated to learn really, you know, quite, for me, quite simple things. They were really kind of blown away that you could, for example, propagate a cutting in water. You know, this was really kind of like... <laughs> mind-blowing mind-blowing yeah so it was really interesting but but we had such great feedback and our studio was rammed the whole time it was chaos it was so busy but lovely it was so lovely meeting everybody inspiring people as well you know there was a lot of people that were just really excited by you know the idea that they could go home and do the same thing to their rooms so it, it was brilliant. And, and I really hope, going back to your previous question, that the RHS expands that area because I think we need to breathe fresh air into, into these shows and bring in a new generation of people interested in not only gardening outside, but inside too. And I feel that I completely agree. And I feel that those people are there because you just have to look across sort of Instagram and social media to see the enthusiasm amongst sort of millennials and Gen Z for houseplants. I mean, the amount of money they spend, I think millennials and Gen Z spend about £300 a year on houseplants and they have maybe 10 different types of plants in their homes. So there is an appetite and I think this is only going to boom and grow as urbanisation increases and younger people are going to find it harder to get onto the property ladder and own a house or rent a house that has a garden as well. I completely agree with you yeah I mean we really do need to represent these people uh, in a better way I think so it's so you know um, the RHS getting on board with creating a bigger arena for houseplants would definitely help but yeah you're absolutely right this trend is not going away and people's houses you know are getting smaller more people are leaving living in flats less people have access to a garden I mean I think a garden these days sometimes is a luxury so um, yeah this trend isn't going away and the more we can support people and educate people and make them feel like there are a big community of people around them the, the better I think. So that brings us on to your next project that you're working on, Sarah, and that is your rescue boxes. This is very exciting. Tell me a little bit, bit more about this. It has been going, but it's about to expand. Um, so share share some, some news you've got for us. Well, yes, I started the rescue boxes last year um, and it was in a response to to basically seeing plants being healthy plants being binned just because they no longer looked perfect. So um, my friend Mark, who runs Happy Houseplants, I spoke to him. I said to him, listen, what, what do you do with these plants that don't look perfect? And he said, well, sadly, we, we throw them away. And, you know, it got me thinking about everything that goes into growing plants being wasted. So, you know, if you think of the fossil fuels, the peat, the water, you know, all the energy that uh, goes into growing these plants just being binned seems to me crazy and actually really unsustainable the the plant industry is actually not that green so i i spoke to him about maybe keeping the the less than perfect plants putting them aside and putting maybe four five or six into a box and calling it plant rescue box and i said would he trial this on his website you know see if, if there was an appetite for people wanting to rescue these plants and it did phenomenally well it was the most viewed item on his web shop and the minute he put them up on the website, they would sell out. So I thought, well, 
maybe I'm onto something here. And in a way, it's a little bit like the wonky veg in the supermarkets that are no longer, you know, chucked away just because they don't look perfect. It's a similar concept to that. And um, since, you know, Mark put those on his website, uh, other people, because I talk about on my Instagram, other people have come to me and said they want to do the same. So there's about 20 retailers now selling rescue boxes, um, one in America, too. Uh, which is great. And I'm very, very excited that the RHS are going to start trialing them um, this January at RHS Wisley. So that's big news for me. Um, that's amazing. Well, so... with, with somebody like the RHS behind this concept, I hope that I can bring it to a, a much wider audience and that this will become commonplace, uh, that we we don't throw plants away anymore. We We save them. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Like you say, it goes, it's the same as wonky veg or any sort of food waste issues that we have as well. It's about making do and um, and mending, I guess. Exactly, exactly <laughs> that, yeah. And actually, I'm just thinking the rescue boxes would be really good in schools as well to sort of educate children. And it's a sort of a gatekeeper, as you might like to say, um, or a stepping stone into learning more about gardening and horticulture. Absolutely. I think the great thing about rescuing a plant is, you know, it might die anyway. So really experimenting on it is is a is a great thing because uh, anything you do is probably going to make it better. And uh, it's a great way of learning what they need. So to take that idea into schools would be fantastic. And there we could talk about the important things like what it's growing in the substrate and the plant feed and the nutrients it needs and all that kind of thing. So as an educational tool, I think that would be a fabulous idea. I, know, I love the idea of running terrarium um, workshops in, in schools because I think they really capture children's imaginations and getting them to create their own mini ecosystems as well within within a glass jar. A Absolutely. Jam jar. And you can also add mini beasts to these terrariums as well, which are actually beneficial to the soil and for cleaning up the terrarium. So, yeah, I think kids love all that. Oh, brilliant. Uh, that is on my my list of things to explore this, this year. So what's next, Sarah, for the plant rescuer? Well, um, I just really want the, the rescue boxes uh, to, to take off, really. So I'm working hard on, on spreading the word about those. Um, I'm doing a bit of writing. Uh, there's a six-part series out currently in Gardener's World magazine about flowering houseplants, about how to bring a bit of colour into your uh, rooms during this grey period so uh, hopefully more writing um, and more rescuing and um, collaborating with different people who share a similar ethos like yourself of course we've we've spoken about you know what we might be able to do together so yeah just making more connections and um, I'm always learning as well so um, yeah just keeping doing what I'm doing basically. I think that's the thing with gardening across all fronts. Everyone is always learning because we make so many mistakes, or I certainly do. I am constantly learning on a daily basis, so it's it's fab. Absolutely. People who, who claim to know everything, I just do, do not believe because literally on a daily basis, I'm learning something new. No, and that's the way it ought to be because that's how we keep improving as well and evolving. Now, as someone like me, who is a complete and utter novice when it comes to, I mean I wouldn't even call myself a novice I mean I'm just utterly useless with houseplants what type of plant would you recommend for a beginner 
Well, you said you had um, some cacti and a jade plant, I think you said as well. Now, yeah, a money plant. A money, yeah, it's a money plant. Yeah, a Chinese money plant. Chinese money plant. So, I mean, they are they are perfect starter plants if you're not confident on house plants because, um, like you say, your cacti are gathering dust because they, <laughs> they, they don't really need too much of our attention. As long as they are placed on a bright windowsill, um, they can kind of be left to their own devices and, and many can survive without water for months and months. So actually they're a great starter plant. Um, but if you're looking for something um, more of a foliage plant, for example, uh, you can't really beat the classic uh, Monstera that was um, in every single home in the 70s. I think that is a fantastic plant. Um, it's uh, it's really quite hardy, can put up with a bit of abuse. So, um, and I think it's, it, I mean, it grows quite big, but it'll take a while to fill your room. But as a, it's kind of a statement plant that's easy to care for. So I would definitely recommend that. And you can get variegated ones now, which are quite fancy too. Oh, well, maybe that could replace my Christmas tree gap. That'd definitely, that's a great <laughs> idea. I love that. Well, listen, Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. I wish you all the luck in the world with 2023. I think we'll be seeing much, much more from you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye. I think Sarah may just have persuaded me to give my houseplants a little more attention in 2023. Why not go over to Instagram and give her a follow at The Plant Rescuer? She is a wealth of knowledge. Now, my next guest is a perfect example of this young and exciting new generation making a positive impact in the world of gardening and horticulture through indoor gardening, reaching out to a whole new audience, which can only be a good thing. He is incredibly popular on Instagram and has over 1 million followers on TikTok as a result of his love and passion for creating terrariums. By day, Ben Newell is a postman, but since 2019, the 30-year-old has been running Worcester terrariums, it's a bit of a mouthful for me, um, online from his workshop and providing online workshops and content. He has got a global fan base and I caught up with him to find out more about these mini ecosystems which have captured my imagination and he tells me how I can make my very own one. you for coming on the show how are you I'm very well thank you and thank you very much for having me not at all so as you will know it is national houseplant week and I wanted to chat to you because you have gone down an interest an interesting path you become a bit of a sensation on TikTok and on Instagram with your terrariums mm-hmm. and um but by day you are a postman so tell me how did you come to fall in love with all things terrariums um well it all started when I worked at a primary school so I did one-to-one work um with a child and uh, he was in nursery and then reception so when we got to reception, we were put in charge of the class composting system and I became thoroughly interested in this. So prior to that, I didn't really have much interest in plants. Um, I, I always liked them, but I wasn't like, you know, invested in them. Um, so we were put in charge of the composting system. I got really interested in that. And right next to the school was an allotment site. So I put my name down and very swiftly got 
an allotment. So that was where my love of plants really started. I spent, I think, five or six years on the allotment um, growing lots of different things. I, I really tried to grow things you couldn't buy in a shop. So um, the person I shared the allotment with grew from a ration book. So it was kind of a nice contrast. But somewhere along this line, I discovered bonsai. And again, I got really heavily invested in bonsai. Um, and at this point, I was really seeking out as many different horticultural hobbies as possible. Um, and I don't know exactly how I discovered the terrarium. Um, probably just saw pictures of them online and decided to have a go myself. Um, and from there, that was the one horticultural niche that really, really stuck with me and, and like truly grasped me. I have to admit, because before I met you in November, I hadn't really explored terrariums. Mm. I'm not much of a houseplant, indoor plant person, yeah. but you have struck a chord with me because I've got three small children who are seven, six and three. Mm. And I just think they are an exceptionally good way to capture the imagination of children mm. and getting younger people excited about all things gardening and horticulture. Oh, I couldn't agree more. So um, I recently did some work with Great Ormond Street Hospital as part of their involvement with the Bloomsbury Festival. So the first few days of that, it was only open to schools. And there must have been, I don't know, 500 plus children that came through to these demos that I was doing. Wow. They were just absolutely fascinated by terrariums. And then on top of that, the fact you can add animals in there in the form of like wood lights or bugs um it just really captivates children and that's something i think is i don't know i think it's quite special really oh it really is and i just i saw one of your posts today that you did not a real life animal but you put in some mini dinosaurs oh, yeah. into the one you did it's so lovely it's really really cool yeah and i, I think that again that's another aspect if you don't like bugs because some people don't um, you can add, <laughs> add loads of different things in there, you know, you can even add tiny little figurines, um, Pokemon, like, you know, animals. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a really fun thing to do and you can be creative with it. Okay, so um, if you've got a spare afternoon, talk us through how you would create your own terrarium with sort of kids in mind as well. Okay, so I would try and do it as simple, simply as possible. So. I would get something like a kilner jar or even a jam jar or a spice jar. Then I would, it's really important that you use the correct substrate. So if you use something like compost for the garden or garden soil from outside, it's not really going to work. You need to use like a specific terrarium soil. Um, and that's really easy to do. You can buy pre-made um, terrarium soils from suppliers online, um, or you can make your own, but that's a little more difficult. Okay. So. What I would do is um, go to my local plant shop um, or garden centre and I would go straight to the baby plant section because lots of the plants in that section are suitable for terrariums. Um, and I would purchase some of those. Um, they have lot, they have like long Latin names, so um, it's probably quite hard to sort of like picture what they look like through it through a podcast, but um, the baby plant section really is, is the best place to go. Um, so I've got my plant, I've got my jar, I've got my substrate. Um, and it's as simple as just adding a little substrate into the bottom of the jar. Um, and then you can either take some cuttings from the plants or you can plant the plant directly in there. Um, one thing worth noting is that 
you do, you want to stay away from cacti, succulents, or anything of that nature because they're arid region plants. So they like lots of light, lots of heat, and they like it dry. Now, contrary to this, a terrarium is a humid environment. It's like a tropical environment, so it's it's moist, it's it's humid, and generally speaking, the plants in a terrarium are tolerant of lower light levels, and they don't like the high light levels that cacti and succulents do. <clears throat> so um, now we've assembled the terrarium. Um, it's a matter of placing it somewhere where it's going to get sufficient light. Now, there are two options. You can either place it underneath a lamp with a cool white or a warm white bulb in it, or you can place it on a windowsill. Um, in the UK, I would avoid south facing or anything like it's going to get blasted by the sun. So north facing is great. Um, a little morning sun or evening sun is going to be fine. But if you've ever walked into a greenhouse on a hot day, you know just how uncomfortable that can be. So, um, so we yeah. live in Glasgow, so we, <laughs> we we don't have that problem. We're sure. north facing all the way around. <laughs> Amazing. So Glasgow smells like the perfect place to make a terrarium. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is as simple as that. And you can be super creative with it. I mean, it doesn't need to be an expensive thing. I think what I... What I really like about terrarium building, sort of in contrast to, to bonsai, is that you can build something very nice very quickly within like 20 minutes or half an hour. Whereas with bonsai, I think to actually to have something that resembles a bonsai um, or a nice looking one takes years and years of practice and dedication um, or a lot of money. So you can just go and buy one. Um, okay. Cool. You there's a generation coming through who are really starting to sort of revolutionise things in the sort of horticultural world, and it's really, really great to see. It's a whole fresh new energy, especially as we become sort of more densely populated and sort of urbanised as well. Where do you see this going for you, Ben? That's a good question. I actually totally agree with your first point as well that there's a lot of people coming through now. Um, so my hope and I'm quietly confident about this, is that terrarium building is going to become more popular. Um, when you look at something like aquascaping, which has a huge audience behind it, I'm hoping that terrarium building will follow a similar path. Um, I think with social media platforms now, it really gives um, the hobby a chance to really get out there. Um, even when I started, which was about five years ago, it was quite hard to find information online. There's a few creators on YouTube or, you know, there are a few guides online, but there wasn't like the depth that there is now. Um, so, yeah, I'm quietly confident and hopeful and uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Well, where do you get your inspiration from to keep it so sort of up to date and fresh and different? <laughs> um do you know what I, I've been asked this question a few times? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think like in terms of terrarium building you know I keep an eye on on Instagram and and the different creators on there so there's a, um, one particular guy uh, created a terrarium in a tic-tac box and a Nutella um, container so that just doing things like that it's like I don't know it's a fun it's a fun side to things but in terms of inspiration um, I don't know I, I think I, I tend to think most creatively when I'm happy and I've realized as I get older the things that make me happy are staying active and exercising and eating well and generally just you know trying my best to live a healthy lifestyle so if I'm happy then I tend to be at my best creatively if that makes sense 
Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Can't agree more. Well, listen, Ben, I wish you lots of luck um, for 2023. We actually created our own terrarium yesterday um, with the kids and it was a huge hit. And it's another excellent gatekeeper to get people into gardening, along with, I think, cacti and Venus flytraps, which my boys absolutely love. Now, according to House Beautiful this month, glass bottle gardens are also going to be growing in popularity as are tall house plants, think Swiss cheese plant, and also for 2023, aloe vera, the spider plant and the peace lily are also going to be increasingly popular. So here are some ideas for you if you are thinking to add to your collection or indeed, like me, perhaps kickstart a new addiction for 2023. That is all we have time for today. A huge thank you to all my contributors and of course to both Sarah and Ben. And thank you once again for tuning in and listening as we get 2023 off the starting blocks. Next week, I'll be joined by journalist and author Alice Vincent and we'll be discussing her hugely anticipated new book, Why Women Grow. You will not want to miss it. Until then, please do make sure you have subscribed to the podcast, share and leave a friendly review for bonus points. And of course, keep growing and cooking.